Brother Tim comes. Let's sing. He stretches the heavens. No one like our God. He stretches the heavens like curtains before him. He forms every star and he calls them by name. He does not grow weary. His strength knows no end. The greatness of our God, none can
Heavenly Father, we're so glad that we can call you Father this morning. Our God, the one true and living God, besides whom there is no other, making yourself known to us in the person of our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh Lord, we praise you and exalt you this morning. We bow our hearts in your presence, Father. Humility is, doesn't describe how we feel. We are so small and you are so great. Yet you cared for us, O oh God. You cared enough to quicken us, to bring your word to us, and to show us the eternal place that we have in you. We thank you, Lord. We've come together this morning, Lord. But as we turn back the pages of your word, this is a solemn moment. This word is eternal. Heavens and earth will pass away, but your word goes on forever. This civilization will perish. One day the remembrance of it will be no more. But these words, this, these scriptures, these statements that come from your mind... Lord, they will always be with us, forever and ever. Lord, you are beyond forever. Lord, we pray as we speak about you this morning, we want to glorify you, Lord, in your word. Lord, that our faith would be lifted up beyond the thoughts of man and beyond the the, uh, abilities of man, Lord. But give us faith, Lord, in you. 
Give us faith, Lord, in your word. Give us faith, Lord, this morning in your promises, O God. Quicken us a little bit higher, Lord. Draw us a little bit nearer, Father, that we might be more like you. And wash us in the water of the word. As we've been a week now without a service, many of us have had to work, walk in this evil age, rub shoulders with unclean things, Lord. But Lord, may your word wash us this morning. Cleanse us of every known evil thing and every unknown evil thing. That we might be washed afresh in your presence. We commit this service now to you, asking you to anoint the speaker and the hearer. And Lord, that you'll have your way in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, musicians. Greet you all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Good to be back in the house of the Lord, isn't it? It's wonderful to be back here. This is the place where we can just... I want to say let our hair down, but uh, some of us don't have very much. And, uh, you know, we can just uh, uh, relax in the presence of the Lord, not relax to to complacency, but relax to just say, Lord, have your way. I may not have confidence in the preacher. I may not have confidence in any man, but I have confidence in God. Amen. He said, wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. So I trust you've had a wonderful week. Let's take our Bibles and turn together to the book of Psalms, chapter 147. Just had a thought on my mind for some time, probably several weeks from before camp even. And, uh, some, sometimes it's, it's interesting how someone can make a statement and it can just plunge you into thinking about God and how great He is. And, and someone made a statement to me and it was an interesting statement. I won't share it at this time. I might not share it this morning, but it, it it began a process of thinking, and my title this morning is The Infinite God. The Infinite God. Psalms 147. Praise ye the Lord, for it is good to sing praises unto our God. For it is pleasant, and praise is comely. And the church said, Amen. The Lord does build up Jerusalem. He gathered together the outcasts of Israel. He healeth the broken in heart and bindeth up their wounds. He telleth the number of the stars. He calleth them all by their names. Great is our Lord and of great power and his understanding is infinite. Amen. Infinite is the word that King James uses for the Hebrew word that means without end or continually. Amen. Let's go over to the book of Ephesians chapter 1. While you're standing, if you don't mind, I'll just let let you have your seats in just a moment. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 17. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation 
in the knowledge of Him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know, I'll just say A, what is the hope of your calling, and B, what is the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints, and C, what is the exceeding greatness, and that word exceeding again means without limit, the exceeding greatness of his power to us word who believe. I got to read that again. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us word? In other words, toward us, we would say. The exceeding greatness of his power toward us, uh, to us word who believe according to the working of his mighty power. Amen. The Lord had his blessing to the word. You may have your seat. I'm going to start the service this morning with one statement from Brother Branham. He says, there's no way to explain what infinite is. I guess that just about ruined it, didn't I? We're not going to explain what infinite is, but we're going to talk about it. We're going to try and and look at our God for the greatness that He is and the great power that He has towards us. To see what how, what His move is in our lives and what His uh, what His designs are in this and that because we are approaching it from a very limited perspective. As David said in the Psalms, you know, great is our Lord and of great power. His understanding is infinite. Amen. And and Job picks it up in Job chapter 9 and uh, he you don't need to turn to it but I'll just read it. He says, he is wise in heart and mighty in strength. And then he says, who has hardened himself against him and has prospered? Now that's quite a statement. Who has hardened himself against God and has prospered? I remember when Brother Biskel took a quote out of a service, took a, a segment out of a service and, and, and talked about the man who was in the prayer line and, and Brother Branham uh, discerned that he had wrote a tract. And the tract had, was something about, I cursed God and lived. Something like that, wasn't it? And, and, and so it was, it was a very uh, striking statement. In, in other words, he'd hardened himself against God. He had took a stand against God and, and, and his brother Branham begins to deal with the man. He actually at, tells the man he's had kinds of troubles and then he asks him, he says, is it okay if I say it? And the man says, yeah, it's okay. He says, you've had sexual troubles. It's the only place in a prayer line that I've ever found that brother Branham exposed sexual troubles. I'm sure he discerned it many times, but it's the only place that I know of that he said it publicly. In other words, this man had taken such a hard stand against God. Brother Branham was willing that this man would be humbled in order to bring him back to God. And he was standing in that line and Brother Branham didn't write him off. I might have wrote him off. You might have wrote him off. But Brother Branham didn't write him off. 
And he's standing in that line and he's dealing with him. And and, and he begins to pray for him and, and pray for his troubles and his sickness that he's dealing with. Who knows what it was? Brother Branham doesn't say. But at the end of it all, he asks him, he says, do you believe in the Lord Jesus? And the man says, I do. And, and then Brother Branham called him, all right, brother, go on your way, be healed in the name of Jesus Christ. Praise be to God. Amen. He hardened himself against God. And where did he end up at the end of his road? Back before God. Saying, oh God, have mercy on me. Who has hardened himself against God and prospered? Oh my, what a statement. He says, which removeth the mountains and they know not. Which overturneth them in his anger. I was talking to a couple brothers uh, at camp about the... This infinite God, and we were just kind of fellowshipping around the thought of infinite and how great God is. And we were sitting at a table and we were just talking and I said, did you see that? And they said, see what? I said, did you see that? And they're looking at me like I was crazy. Like, what, what did brother Tim see? I said, there it is again. Did you see it? And they're like, I don't know what you're talking about. I said, just behind you, there's a big tree. I says, while we're talking, a, a, a pine cone fell. And then another pine cone fell. You didn't see it. You didn't hear it. But God saw it. It fell right beside you and you didn't even notice it. But God noticed it. God notices every little thing. And God is aware of all things. And Brother Branham says he, or rather Job says he removes mountains and they know it not and overturns them in his anger, which shaketh the earth out of her place and the pillars thereof tremble, which commandeth the sun and it rises not and sealeth up the stars, which alone spreadeth out the heavens, treadeth upon the waves of the sea. Which maketh Arcturus and Orion and Pleiades and the chambers of the south. So he's even talking about the constellations and the stars. He says, which doeth things. Talking about God now. Which doeth things past finding out. And wonders without number. The wonderful things of God cannot be numbered. It's written that if the books containing the miracles that Jesus did were written, then then there would not be enough ink, though the entire ocean was ink, it could not contain it. Though every man was a scribe, they could not write it. Though every stock was a quill, they could not perform it. It's impossible to number the wonders of God. We rejoice at just the few that we see. Every miracle that I hear, every healing that I hear of, every deliverance that God does, every chain that breaks and falls to the ground, we rejoice in just one. But they are without number with God. They are beyond measure. They are exceedingly great with our God. His wonders are without numbers. And then Job says, Lo, he goeth by me, and I see him not. He passes on also, and I perceive him not. This great, infinite God without power is right here. In this room, wherever two or three are gathered in my name, I'm there in the midst of them. So great is his power. Can I talk about him a little bit this morning? 
We like to talk about our inheritance. We do. We love to talk about our rights and our position. We always do. It's great to hear about those things. But let me just talk about him for a little bit. Let me just just talk about his greatness. Let me just declare his glories this morning. Will you bear with me a little bit? The funniest thought, if you think about it, is that infinite would have a definition. You have to think about that one a little bit. How can you define infinite? You look in the dictionary, it's there. And the dictionary says it's limitless or endless in space, extent, or size. It says impossible to measure or calculate. That's not a very defined definition, is it? It's impossible to measure or calculate. That's infinite. It's without limit as to capacity. It's without limit as to power. It's without limit to anything. It's boundless. It's innumerable. It's inestimable. Brother Branham said infinite is perfect. And I think that's a good statement. If we just take that one little statement, infinite is perfect. And though our God is infinite in every aspect, and, and I, I've got to break this down a little bit because I just got to say it the way the Lord spoke it to me or the Lord dealt with me. As human beings, we like to, we like to define everything. We like to number everything. And I'll come back to the human element. But our God is without number and without definition. There is no words to describe our God. Yet we use many words to describe Him. But yet those words are insufficient. The English language is insufficient. Any language is insufficient. And our praises, as much as we praise Him, and we ought to praise Him, and we ought to glorify Him, as as Job said, He's worthy of praise, as David said, He's worthy of praise. But yet in all of that, our finite minds cannot comprehend infinite, but infinite is moved by faith. Infinite is moved by faith. And, And by faith... We know that He is and that He is a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him, the Scripture says. And He, he, he gives us, He pours in revelation that we might know Him. And as the Scripture says, that we might know the, the hope of our calling, that we might know the riches of His glory, that we might know the exceeding greatness of His power. He wants you to know that. Even though it's indescribable, He wants you to know that. He wants you to know the hope of your calling. So he wants you to be by faith lifted up into a strength, into a, a, a certain uh, uh, victory that you understand that this God that you have who is infinite is interested in you. All right. And that's where we're going this morning. Because God's infinite, he can't change. He just can't do it because he's infinite. No, it mean, infinite means he knows the end from the beginning before there was anything. He knew everything. And he doesn't change because he cannot make a mistake. And Brother Branham says, and I'll use some quotes this morning if that's all right. He says, there's one thing about God. He does not make no mistakes. And his first decision is his only decision because he is infinite. And, be, and to be infinite 
I love this statement. That's perfect times perfect plus perfect and perfect is infinite. Talk about not having enough words. He knew all things from the beginning. He never has to take a word back. I'll just say God does not change with the ages. There's no need to change God's word. There's God does not need to adjust with current cultural trends. Praise be to God. God does not adjust to the trends. He's infinite. You know what he does with the trends? He raises up a standard against it. That's what our God does. Because he knew every trend that would be here. He knew every idea of man that would come to the forefront in this day. He knew every onslaught of the enemy that you would face. Because he's infinite. And he doesn't have to change. He doesn't have to come up with a new idea. He doesn't have to adjust to to battle the enemy. He already knew the enemy's tricks before he made Satan. Because Satan also is a creation. And he knew what his tricks would be. Brother Bram says he never has to take a word back. He never has to improve. Because his first decision is the only decision can ever be made. He does not learn more or get smarter as we claim to do. But he was perfect to begin with. I even like the way Brother Branham said that as we claim to do. He didn't actually say we do. God doesn't get smarter as we claim to do. Man claims to get smarter, but does he really? His education just takes him further away from the infinite. Further away from the God of all power. Further away from the inheritance, from the hope of a calling, from the power of God that he wants to operate in our lives. Be careful what you do in listening to science. They claim it's getting smarter, but is it really? Is it really? And God knows all about us. Don't sit here this morning and think you've got anything hidden. God knows all about you. He knows everything about you. He knows your thoughts. He knows your, he knows the shadows of your thoughts. He knows the, that which you hide in the deepest recesses of your heart. There's no secret that's hidden from him. The word that's moving in this room this morning is a discerner even of the thoughts and intents of the heart. He knows what you're thinking right now. He knows what the devil is trying to put in your mind right now. He knows exactly what the devil's been working on you all week. He knows the things that the devil's been working on you all your life. He knows your weaknesses. He knows the one punch that the devil has coming at you. He knows your human frailties. He knows the backgrounds. Matter of fact, he watched over your great grandparents and grandparents and parents and all of that because he wanted to bring out a certain something in your life. And that certain something is not just your strength. It's also your weakness. He knows all about that. You say, well, my family's this and my family, listen, I, of anyone, I have nothing to brag on my family. But yet in the, in the in spite of all the background of my family and all of the, the negativity that that causes in the flesh, I just stand here and say, but God knew that. And he knows that and he, he knows exactly what I'm dealing with and he knows how to overcome it. And he's provided for that and he provided for it in his thoughts before the foundation of the world, before there ever was a human being in existence. 
And Brother Ram says, if he is infinite, he knowed every flea that would be on the earth, how many times it would ever bat its eyes and how much tallow it would make. Now, we, we look at that with a finite mind and we see a flea batting its eyes and making tallow. That's what we see. But what Brother Branham is saying is God sees every flea and every bat of the eye of every flea. And how much tallow cumulative that every flea through thousands of years of existence would ever make. God knows. And he knew it before he ever made creation. That's infinite. And he says, he says, that's before the foundation of the world ever started. Now that wouldn't even half express infinite. He's so perfect till he knowed everything that would ever do. He knowed every time how many, catch this now, how long your fingernail would be. He knows which ones of you need to trim your fingernails. I'll leave that one alone. How many times you batted your eye? And how many times you moved your finger before the world ever began? Every individual. That's infinite. There's no explaining to it. So you can't. Explain the word. Now I'll go further. He knew every mistake you'd ever make. He knew every time you'd say something wrong. And he knows what you're going to say this coming week that's wrong. He knows how you mistreat one another. He saw it. And he sees what you're going to do in the future. I remember one time. This is kind of embarrassing. I was at, years ago, I was at a camp, actually, Cloverdale by Boy Camp. And uh, I was praying about a certain something. And the Lord spoke to me while I was praying and said, you're going to say this. I said, I'd never say that. I would never wasn't a bad thing, but it was just in relation to somebody in particular. And I said, I would never say that to that person in particular. And, and I, so now not only was I aware of it, but I was aware not to say it because I was telling God I would never say that. And so a couple days later at the Coverdale Bible Way camp, I was in a group of brothers and there was a certain brother that said a certain summer and we were kind of joking back and forth and, 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 you know, we were just kind of having some fellowship. And in the heat of the moment, I said exactly what God said I was going to say to the exact brother that God said I was going to say it to. And I was embarrassed. I thought, God, how stupid I am and how infinite you are. That's how much God knows. He knows exactly the mistakes. And it, it wasn't like it was a bad thing, but I should never have said those words. And I, I just thought, oh, Lord, have mercy. You knew I was going to say it. You know exactly what things are leading up to somewhere. And what it, ta- what it will take in a certain situation with certain influences 
to influence an individual in a certain way and know that he'd say it. God knew that Peter would say that, Lord, we won't let you suffer. We will not permit those things that happen to you that you say are going to happen to you and we will protect you. And Jesus just turned to him and said, get behind me, Satan. God knew Peter was going to say those things. And God knew that Peter was going to deny Christ. He knew exactly before the cock crowed, before the rooster crowed, you will deny me three times. And that's exactly what happened with Peter. But Peter was standing there all the time saying, no, ain't going to happen. Not going to happen. Somebody else might, but I won't. God knew. God knows your mistakes. God knows the ones you're going to make. And then I want to say this, but he loved you anyway. Hallelujah. But he loved Peter anyway. Peter lovest thou me. Oh my. How I'm so thankful that he loved Peter. I'm so thankful that he loved his disciples. I'm so thankful that he loves us. And before we were ever born, God saw down through my life, every mistake that I would make, every failure I would have, every stumbling I would have, every time I would have to pick myself up off the ground. But he loved me anyway. And Brother Branham says about infinite, I got 50 quotes here about infinite, but I'm not going to read them all. And that's just going through 500 quotes of other quotes of infinite that are all great quotes. And yet in the midst of all that, he knew me enough in spite of all of that. And Brother Branham says, even though he knew where you would go to, and he knew the mistakes you would make. He knew all about you. He's, he never made a mistake in giving you the Holy Ghost. He doesn't give you the Holy Ghost to take it away. He doesn't save you to lose you. He doesn't pick you up to let you fall. Amen. He carries you. He's an infinite God. He's a God that knows all things. That's why he's worthy of praise, worthy of glory, worthy of honor. That's our God. Hallelujah. Blessed be his name. Brother Brown says in another place, and he says he knowed we'd be here. He knowed I'd be here before the world. He knowed I'd be standing here before there was a world here. These statements are mind-boggling. There's a man with a seventh grade education. He says, he knew I'd be standing here before there was anything here. So where was here before there was anything here? We get thinking too deep. It'll just scramble our finite brains. Amen, Brother Titus. These things are just beyond human comprehension. But he knew you'd be here in Cloverdale. He knew you'd be logged in on the internet. He knew you'd be sitting in the service before even there was a Cloverdale, before there was a world, before there was anything. He says, I'll have a church in Cloverdale. I'll have a pastor called Ed Biscoll. I'll have a people that will believe my word. I'll use the gifts in that body and I'll raise them up to in the greatest message that I've ever sent in that world. Before there was a world, he had determined that. Amen. He says, he says, he knowed you'd be sitting in the seat you are. He's infinite. Certainly he knows you. 
Then he says, what are you scared about? Hallelujah. You want something to dance about? There's something to dance about. What are you scared about? There's nothing to be scared about this world. He knew me. Oh, brother Tim, you don't know the trouble I'm in. But he knew. He knew it before you ever got into that trouble. Amen. Oh, brother Tim, you don't understand the devil that's against you. But he knows. He knew before that devil ever existed. That he'd be fighting you in this age. He knew. He knew you'd be sitting here this morning. He has the answer for everything you have to. He's the infinite God. Glory to his name. Says he put your name on the Lamb's book of life before the foundation of the world. The Bible said he did. What are you worried about? You got the Holy Ghost sealed into the kingdom of God. How long? Until. Until when? Amen. The day of your redemption. That's how long. That's exactly what Brother Branham said. He said the church is scared. Don't be scared. Fear not. Only believe. That's what God wants. Hallelujah. He knew every thought I would have before I was born. He knew what the devil would plant in my mind. He knows what goes into the thoughts. He knows the devil's devices. And he knows exactly the standard he must raise up against it. In other words, he already had the answers before there was a question. Being infinite gives him foreknowledge. And his, and you can definitely go down this road a lot in the message. And his foreknowledge allows him to predestinate. We don't have the infinite quality. That's why Brother Branham says in Christ the Mystery, the reason he could predestinate is because he's infinite. Amen. He's infinite, so therefore he knowed everything. He knowed the end. He could tell the end from the beginning. He's God. If he can't do that, he's not God. That's it. He's infinite. Amen. We're not going to dwell on predestination. But being infinite or looking at something from an infinite perspective... Lord, help me this morning, because I can't, but I can think about what he thinks about through the light of the word. And being infinite changes what things mean. It changes the meaning of things. It changes the meaning of words. Because if you're infinite, I want you just to stay with me on this. There's no such a thing as big or small. If you're infinite. What's big if you're infinite? There's nothing big. Therefore, there's nothing small. If you're infinite. Without, you know, we look at things in our finite minds. And as human beings, as I said, we, we quantify things. I, I remember reading a book one time. And the fellow in the book said, you know, the mind is like an attic. You can only put so much in there. So be careful how what you put into your mind. I'm careful what I put into my mind. And I think that's a good statement for believers even. But yet in the midst of it all, you know, because we're finite, we have that capacity. Well, is this a big thing? 
Or is this a little thing? It's a little thing I can fit it in. If it's a big thing, I'm not sure if I can handle it. But to God, there's no such thing as a big thing. I got a big problem. Big to you. It's not big to God. Well, my problem is too small for God. I'll take care of it myself. Small? God doesn't know small. God's infinite. Well, he's got bigger things to think about. That's actually the statement that got me going on this thought. He's got bigger things to think about. No, he doesn't. Because there's no big with God. Well, God's got think of, no, God doesn't think about the big things. He knows all things. He's concerned about what we call big problems and he's concerned about what we call small problems. There's no problem too small for God and there's no problem too big for God because he's infinite. You can't put a size on it with God. We could say we're, we're in difficult circumstances. That's no different than easy circumstances with God. There's no difficult. There's no easy. There's no complex. There's no simple. When you're infinite. I can see we're getting bogged down in our finite minds already. With God, there's no such a thing as complex. I've got myself wound up in this and I got, I got so many things on my mind and I got so many things that are, that are just, uh, I, that come and play with it and if I do this, then this will happen and if I do this, then that'll happen and this is that and that and, and, and all of these things and, you know, if I, I feel like I'm just wound up in a big knot in a big ball here and I just can't work my way out of it, it means nothing with God. To God, it's just that much. Because He's infinite. It's so tiny in His mind that your God laughs at your complex situations. Hallelujah! You don't laugh at it. You get overwhelmed by it. You get stressed by it. Come on. You, you get under a heavy load because it's the devil bombarding you, telling you you'll never get out of it. That there's no way for you to get out of it. You know what you need to do? You need to just laugh in the face of the devil and say, my God is infinite. My God is without limit. My God doesn't know what complex means. My, if I had the, I had the mind like brother Michael, you know, you could go into the depths of the tiniest of the scientific particle and, and uh, the, I don't know, what's the smallest particle, Michael? A quark? A quark. We'll call it a quark. You go down to the level of a quark or you could go up to the biggest red star that there is in the universe or bigger than that. I don't know, it's red, Vegas, something like that. And I got to ask some minds back here. And, you know, you could go from one end to the other end and you say, this is so tiny, it's hard to understand. And this is so big, it's hard to understand. And God made them all. Hallelujah. And he understands them all. And he knows how to move them. And in a moment, he can speak them into existence. And in a moment, he can extinguish a star. That's our God. There's no complex with our God. There's, there's nothing too complicated. There's nothing too much for our God. Who is like unto our God? I told Brother Anthony, perfect song to start the message tonight. Who is like unto our God? 
All of these fallen human conditions have dictated our lack of capacity and our finite brains, our finite strength. Oh, that's too big a job. You ever feel like that? That's too big a job. I read a statement this week, you know, excuse me, just to lighten this up a little bit, but where a man says, you know, says when a man says he'd do anything for a woman, he's talking about dragons and he's talking about stopping bullets. He's not talking about cleaning the basement. (laughs) You laugh because it's true. You know, the minds of human beings, you know, we think in a certain way. And we think, oh, you know, that's too big a job. That's going to be too much. I don't have enough time. I, I, I don't have enough energy. You know, I, I better hire somebody to do that for me. You know, we quantify everything. Now, that was a good donut. Can I eat two and get away with it? Can I eat three? You know, it's quantity. How big is the universe? That's, that's human thinking. God doesn't care. He made it. But it's human thinking. This is how big is the universe? It's expanding. And how old is the universe? 14 billion or whatever. That's human thinking. It's nothing to an eternal God. It's nothing to an infinite God. He's so big that those kind of things are, it doesn't matter as how old is the universe or how old is Gideon. Doesn't make that much difference with God. He knows how long Gideon's been here. He knows how long the universe has been here. He knows the age of each and every one. And sisters, he knows your age too. Praise the Lord. I'll leave that one alone. God doesn't have bigger things to think about than your problem. That's what I'm getting to. Let me say it again. God does not have bigger things to think about than your problem. You are on his mind. We got rid of a lot of problems at camp. I believe that. Brother Tom has a lot of faith. He says, from now on, there should be no more problems. I thought, wow, that's a lot of faith. (laughs) I think we got cleared of a lot of problems, but you'll run into more. The problem isn't the problems. Our problem is the way we think about the problems. As Brother Bram said, the church is scared. Or the church is fearful. He says, don't fear. God doesn't want you to fear. God wants you to know who He is. That He loves you. And He cares about your every problem. Can I keep going this morning? All right. We're, we're, I think we're getting into one mind and one accord here. Now, I, I began to think about the qualities of the message. I'll, I'll just say, I say think about, I could say ponder. I began to ponder the qualities of the message. And the, the depths of what God has given us right within the message. You know, I, I was reading a message during camp, before camp, during camp, and after camp. I finished it finally. And I, I just had picked up some messages. I thought, you know what, I'm going to just go through 1959. 
I'll start there and I'll just keep reading. I got a whole bunch of, I got sets of books at home and, and my, my books start at 1959. So I'll go back to the beginning of this set of books and I'll just read starting at the first message. So I'm up to number eight here in 1959. It's March the 1st, 1959. What does thou hear is the title of the message. And so Brother Branham's speaking about Elijah. I begin to think about, uh, I hope this is okay this morning. I begin to think about the things that strike me in the message. You know, if I gave this message to Brother Tom or Brother Michael or Brother Murphy, they might not highlight what I highlight. You know, I, I go through and certain statements jump out at me, just like every preacher and probably yourself too. Maybe when you get a message book, you take a highlighter and, oh, I don't want to forget that line or that sentence is powerful. And, and I begin to think about how many, there's actually 20 highlights in this book. That I, now that I'm finished it, I better start, stop wandering around and stand still for the cameraman. And you know, he makes us just a simple statement like, friendship is a gift of God. What a sweet statement. I, I just highlighted that. This is the one I mentioned at camp. Said, we don't need so much of the dips of the spirit or spiritual awakening. We need a revival. Let's revive what we've got. Not a spiritual awakening. Sometimes we cause mixed multitudes. But we need a revival that will sift down, shake down, and will call out all the things like standing by the seashore. So you know the definition of revival. Brother Branham mentions it in several different messages. So Brother Branham goes several different places. He talks about, I'm not going to read them all, but I just want to highlight some of the different ones. He says, a man, I know a man can overwork himself and a man can underwork himself. He says, these bodies are strong, but they need rest. He says, America loves noise. I better leave that one alone. You can go read the message yourself. He says, uh, I like this one. And I'm just showing you different aspects of things that a prophet speaks now. He says, the little pool that's deep reflects the heavens. Not the ripple and noise of the water. Rippling waters are not very deep. It's still waters that run deep. Okay, so I'm just, I'll just use that as an example. So there's different aspects of things that the Holy Spirit leads Brother Branham to talk about in any given service. You with me? So then I begin to think about, there's tw- like I said, there's 20 highlights of mine in here. What if I say there's a dozen in every service that Brother Branham preaches? I think that would be conservative. Uh, little statements, outstanding statements. Little things. Now I'm just talking about the quality of of the message that God has sent you. And if I take those 12 and multiply it out by every service, there's 1,200 messages. It's not 12 times 1,200. But if you, if you want to calculate the potential combinations, then it's 12 times 12 times 12 times 12 or 12 to the power of 1,200. Okay? That's just in the message. 
We say the message is Christ. And so I took my calculator and I calculated that out. 12 times 12, 12 to the power of 1,200. And I got a number of possible combinations of just those 12 quotes. It starts with the number 1, and then it's 0, 4, and it goes out to 1,300 numbers. One zero four seven seven nine. It just keeps going to 1,300 digits. I don't even know what that number is. And that's not infinite. That's quantifiable. God's more than that. And I began to think, you know, I've preached in my life probably, give or take, about 3,000 times. I have barely scratched the surface of this message. Do you realize what God has put in your hands in these last days? We, we have our little favorite quotes and we have our little favorite messages and, and that's why I went back to 1959 and started again. I thought, you know, I don't just want to focus in on my, I want to read what a prophet is saying. I want to hear what God is speaking to this generation. I want to see the standard that God has raised up against the evil that is creeping in. Way back in 1959, after America has rejected this gospel, 1950s was peak America. That was the peak of their existence. They've been on a downward slide ever since they have rejected this message. Judgment is upon America. And it, it, even Brother Branham says in a place, I think I have it here, but and I'll maybe come to it, but Brother Branham says that, he says, if God is infinite, then he could not judge Sodom and Gomorrah and not judge America. It's his infinite quality. He couldn't know that there would be an America in the last days that would be equally evil as Sodom and Gomorrah. And judge Sodom and Gomorrah back there and not judge America now. He says, judgment is belching over her head. This is an evil time. This is a, this is an ungodly time. But God knew every demon power that would be waging its battle against this age. But there would be a people that would overcome every evil power. Because greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. He knew exactly, he knows exactly what it will take. Listen, when David came up against Goliath, we heard about that at camp. When David came up against Goliath, and I was pondering this thought while Brother Wayne was talking about the stones. I thought, he says, that water washed over those stones. Now my mind began to go back to infinity. God knew how many raindrops he would have to pull out of the ocean and drop down on the hills of Judea. To create that brook that would wash down over those rocks. That maybe when he made the earth, it was a big piece of granite. But in that big piece of granite, there was a little stone that was a perfect fit to Goliath's forehead. And God knew that. And people probably drank from that brook. People might have stepped on those stones. They didn't know that in that stone was the power to defeat Goliath. If you had faith in God to that stone, put it in a sling, wind it up and let it go, it's going to destroy the champion of the Philistines. 
Hallelujah. But people just walked over it. They didn't notice it. It's just stones after all. It's just nature. No, it's not just nature. God is watching over that. I'm going to have a David. And he's going to be just a boy. And there's going to be this giant of a man called Goliath. And he's going to make his boast against me. But I'm going to show that I'm God even of the stones. I'm God even of the brooks. I'm God of the rain. I'm God of erosion. I'm God of smoothing the stones. I know exactly what it'll take. It wasn't just any old stone. You just don't pick up any old rough edge in any old shape. God knew that he would mold David on the backside of the desert, practicing his slaying. And he might have thought, well, this is just a lot of fun, you know. He might have had a thrill killing the bear and killing the lion and all the things that boys does. And he's just practicing away. But God instilled in David a desire for a perfect stone. Because God was preparing a perfect stone. He's got it all in control, saints. He knew that the situation would be too great for Saul. It would be too great for anybody in the army. But there would be a little boy that would say, nothing's too great for God. Hallelujah. This man is defying the armies of the living God. He's defying the armies of the infinite God. Ah, he's really stepped over his line. And David, God had trained his eye. And I can imagine as he come down to that brook, he says, there they are right there. Hallelujah. God had him prepared. He didn't go running up and down the creek saying, oh, I just need a perfect stone. Half my kingdom for a perfect stone. God knew when he needed it, it would be there. God knows when you need it, it'll be here. Oh, brother Tim, I'm in a new situation I've never encountered before. God knew. He knows exactly because he's infinite. Hallelujah. Are you still with me? Oh, I was pondering David. I was just enjoying these studies. I'm sorry. This is, this is an enjoyable message for brother Tim. I was thinking about David. What if David went to the tree of knowledge? Or Google as we call it. What makes the perfect stone? You know they've done those studies. For skipping on the water. They've done the work. If you want to know the exact shape. To beat the world record of 88 skips on the water. They'll tell you exactly what shape, not only shape, what actually substance you need in a stone. Mercy. Talk about a waste of time. Well, what if David had done that? Well, what if I, I, I practice with it? Let me try a three-inch stone. No, let me try a two-inch. Let me try a flat one. Let me try a round one. Let me try it oblong. Let me try it square. Let me try it jagged. Let me do some measurements. And so he'd go down to the creek with his tape measure and, and, and uh, you know, just, you know, so be able to measure that. Well, no, this one's too big and this one's too small. And no, this one's not the right shape. And that's the tree of knowledge. But God knows All things. And he trains his man. And he brings the stone. And he puts them together in the situation where it's needed. It's not for target practice. 
It's not to just try and put on a show. But there's a necessity for a victory in the camp. And God knew the man that he would put that stone into his hands would produce the result. Amen? Let me just rephrase it for you. God knows how to bring a stone to perfection to defeat the enemy. Now, if you've read in the Word, you know what I'm talking about. Because a stone is a confession. Amen? God knows how to shape your confession. For He is the high priest of our confession. The Bible says you receive not because you ask not. And when you ask, you ask amiss. So there's a confession is good, but it's got to be the right kind of a confession. Like Brother Branham goes into about, about Peter and talks about how that his, his name being changed to, uh, from Simon to Peter represents a confession. He says, but a, a stone is not good unless it's in the hand of someone that can shape it. It's got, it's got to be a stonemason and he's talking about a building and we realize we are stones in the temple of God and we each one have our individual place. But he knows how much anointing you need. He knows how much rain you need to shape your confession. He knows how much rubbing against the other stones you need to shape your confession. Amen. He knows exactly how much chipping you're going to need to shape your confession. Like I said in the beginning, that stone might have been a great big huge granite boulder, but God knew I couldn't use a granite boulder on this purpose. It's got to be shaped smaller and smaller and thousands of years of rain and tumult in the desert and storms and all kinds of things until finally that stone became the perfect stone. The stone that was going to slay Goliath. And we might have that in our own lives. Sometimes our confession is so big. And we got so many things uh, that, that we think we are. But God has a purpose for us in our lives. Be patient. He's infinite. He knows exactly what you have need of. He knows exactly how to bring you in position. He knows exactly how to place you in the body. He knows exactly how he'll use you to overcome the enemy. He knows exactly what you have need of. He knows exactly how much washing of the water of the word that is going to take in your life until you can stand there without a shadow of the doubt and say, devil, get behind me. Just because it was a big granite boulder didn't mean it wasn't a stone. It was a stone. And God had use for that stone, but the stone had to be shaped. And just because we might say, well, it might seem like there's loose ends in my life. Don't worry. God's going to fix it up. God's going to bring his words. God's going to bring his stonemasons. God's going to bring his chipping tools. God's going to bring the rubbing of fellow believers. God's going to bring his anointing. God's going to bring every aspect that you need in your life to line up to the position that God has called you to be. An invincible, mighty army. He's in the process right now. Amen. We saw victories. We'll continue to see victories. God will not stop. Well, brother Tim, I didn't get everything I asked for. Just stand still. Just keep walking in your confession. Just keep believing. Brother Branham talks about 
his own self. You know, sometimes we get buried in the dirt of the world. He said, the dirt and the muck of the earth has covered me up, but the gospel today has uncovered me. I stand as guilty before God and I know it and I want God to make take me as a stone today and cut me out. Give me a confession of the Lord Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Place me into his kingdom. I want to be uncovered today. As I am uncovered, I want to be sawed and put into the kingdom of God. Can you say amen to that? Amen. You're a predestinated attribute of God in his mind before the foundation of the world. If you weren't, you can't explain the desire for God inside of you. You might be the least of the believers or the greatest of the believers. And that's the human perspective. To God, there's no least and greatest. Amen. To God, he knows it all. He knows exactly your place. And he knows the temple is not complete with your part. Whether you're a big part in our minds or a little part in our minds, that doesn't make no difference with God. You are part of one temple. You are part of one body of Jesus Christ. Bible says they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto the death. They overcame him, who? The evil one. By the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. It's a continual overcoming. By the blood of the lamb. Now the blood of the lamb doesn't save you. The blood of the lamb keeps you clean. You're saved by faith. Brother Branham says, many places he says, by faith you're saved. That's your faith in God. The blood keeps you clean from sin because it makes a sacrifice. The blood doesn't save you. The blood keeps you clean. Oh, but he says, by faith are you saved? And that's by God's foreknowledge. Now that goes back to infinite. You're saved by faith and that goes by God's foreknowledge calling you. You are saved and the blood makes an atonement constantly keeping you clean. Amen. God knew you before the foundation of the world and he provided a blood to keep you clean yesterday, today and forever. Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today and forever. Amen. He doesn't change one whit because he's eternal. Amen. He knew where you end up and he knows the beginning and he knows everything along the way and the blood is sufficient. I'm going to get ahead of myself if I keep going down that line. Let me just say. The world that we're living in and that we're battling is much evil. Job 22 says, Is not thy wickedness great and thy iniquities infinite? That means without end. You know, the Bible says in Genesis 6, in the days of Noah, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the revealing of the Son of Man. You with me? All right. He says, God saw the wickedness, that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. And that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Without ending. Just a continuation. The Hebrew, in the original Hebrew, it might be interpreted every scheme his mind thought.
was nothing but evil all the time. What an estate. That's the way we are in this day. It says, God looked upon the earth and behold, it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. Now, it's not that the world, not that people want to be evil. You see, somebody that wants to be evil or seems to want to be evil, they're possessed of an evil spirit. There's no baby that's born that wants to be evil. It, it happens upon their lives. And get, the devil has gained access to the minds of the people. We call it Satan's Eden, and it is. And I happen to be thinking on this line this morning, and I got a, a text this morning from one of my sons about a study that recently had been done in Harvard, of all places. And showing the increase of problems in the minds, especially of young people over the last few years. Now, I'll preface it by saying this. Brother Brown says, every cancer that has been declared to be, or just recently, it's not every, even cancer has been declared to be a fourth dimension disease. All right? You're familiar with that statement. Fourth dimension. That's the dimension of radio and science, radio and television and all that. He says it's in another, that it's in another dimension. Sure, he says it's demonology. Every disease is a fourth dimension disease. The beginning of it. He says, and then another place, he says, in the fourth dimension, people can prove that right through this room now is coming radioactivity. Radio messages coming right through this building now is coming television pictures. But it's too fast for our eyes. He says, the reason we can't see television pictures, our bodies are not set as instruments to pick up mechanical sent things. Do we have Wi-Fi in this room? Okay. It's here in this room. He pointed up to the transmitter somewhere. Up there, right behind the speaker, wherever it is. If you had your cell phone on, and I'm glad you don't, but if you had it, you'd pick up that there's a signal in this room. But sitting here, you don't know that. It's going through this room, and you haven't picked it up. It's That's fourth dimension. He says... Then he says this, he says, but when our body becomes in tune with God, becoming a part of him, then our soul can pick up the power of the Holy Spirit to vindicate the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ in all of his power and omnipotence. He has risen from the dead. He lives amongst us. He wants fellowship back with his people again. His great majesty, his glory is now spreading forth. And he's desiring to fellowship again with his people like he did in the Garden of Eden. Brother Ram says there's a fourth dimension here, the, the realm of science, he says, and there's things moving through this room, but your body isn't tuned to it. But if it was, you could pick it up. And I don't even want to go in what science is trying to do to your body. But But then he says... He says, but if 
the God who is in this room, if you were tuned to it, you would pick it up. He says you would know that his omnipotence is here. Amen. You would know that Jesus Christ in all of his power is here. There might be some that are not tuned to the Holy Spirit this morning. They go, well, I, I like the words, but I don't really sense anything. Listen, you just keep drawing closer to God. You just keep letting his word have an impact because faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word. And this omnipotent God is moved by faith. But we also have to be careful that we're not falsely inflicting ourselves. I was reading just brief, quickly this morning. I thought it had pertained to something that I wanted to get into. But there was, it refers back to an article in 2017 written by someone from the Smithsonian. And it talks about, um, what it talks about a, a virus that can be triggered in the psychological or in the mind. All right. And so it's talking about this and don't worry, I'm not going into conspiracy theories and all this kind of stuff. But it's, but this author makes a point. And says, this is 2017 now, he says, we may be at a crossroads in the history of psychogenic illness. That's what it's called, psychogenic illness, symptoms that are triggered by thoughts. He says, as the primary vector or agent of spread appears to be the internet and other new technologies. That's 2017. So just this year, Harvard comes out. This is from a medical doctor in Harvard, a Dr. Schmerling, and uh, comes out with a statement on sociogenic illness. Now, here we go. Listen, I, I, I just got scared when I started reading this. It's like, what is the devil trying to pull here? And it goes into several things. If you want the link to it, I can send it to you. But uh, I just want to go to one down. One down. She talks, this woman that wrote the first article talked about the internet and other new technologies. And he writes in his article, he says, the first known examples of social media induced sociogenic illness were recognized in the last year or two, coinciding with the pandemic. All right. Neurologist, neurologist rather, began seeing increasing numbers of patients, especially teenage girls, with unusual involuntary movements and vocalizations reminiscent of Tourette syndrome. If you know what Tourette syndrome is, that's a demon all in itself. He says, after ruling out other explanations, the ticks in these teenagers seem to be related to how many hours spent watching TikTok videos. You want to go there? I read this and I said, I don't think I'm going to watch any more videos from now on. Because it's not just on TikTok now, they put those videos on YouTube. You know that. I've seen them there. I, I'm not even against TikTok just because I don't want the Chinese government to have all my information. That's not the only reason I'm against TikTok. But the devil is becoming shrewd in his ability to move things through the fourth dimension and take a hold of people's minds. And by 
tuning their minds to it, then taking control of their bodies. It's called devils traveling on words. It's not a new thing to message believers. Brother Branham talked about it way back in the 50s and 60s. That was a reality to a prophet God. He knew how the spiritual realm worked. He knew how the dimensions worked. And he warned us. And the devil just wraps it in some nice, shiny, flashy thing. You be careful what you're looking at. I'll go even further. You be careful what your young people are looking at. Don't give your some device into the hands of some young person that doesn't know how to control it. I'll tell you, adults hardly know how to control it most of the time. And they just kind of just get on. Oh, it's just innocent, you know, just thing after thing. The devil is using that to move from a fourth dimension into these three dimensions. To take control of these bodies. Uh, I'd rather put something else in front of my mind. Amen. I'd rather walk in a different way and keep something else. David talked about it. I have set the Lord before me always. Amen. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. So that's Psalm 16. Let me read you a few scriptures here. Psalms 25. You know, I happen to believe that devil, that David had mind battles. Just by the way I read the Psalms. You know, it's just like, okay, David's really wrestling with things here. He's talking about his enemies. He's talking about God, but God is my savior. He's talking about they're encamped around about me, all of these things. You know, the devil wanted to destroy David because David was the type of the Lord Jesus Christ. Just like he wants to destroy every believer, but he wants to especially destroy you because you're the anti-type. You're the reality of the manifestation of all that God has promised. And the devil wants to take a hold of your mind. And I say, give your mind to God. Don't just give your soul to God. Give your mind to God. Love Him with all your might. With all your strength. With all your soul. And with all your mind. Amen. Psalms 25, he says, mine eyes are ever towards the Lord, for he shall pluck my feet out of the net. Psalms 34. Well, let me just say this before I go any further. You know, Brother Branham, as I said, he said, if God being infinite, he says, if God doesn't judge America for her unrighteousness as the infinite holy God, he's duty bound to resurrect Sodom and Gomorrah and apologize for sinking them and burning them. Certainly we're bound for the judgment. There's no way out of it. So just get ready to escape the damnation of the wrath of God by fleeing to Jesus Christ. Amen. There's a judgment upon this age. It's already belching overhead and it's going to destroy this civilization. But there, there, and though there be a continuation of the evil of this world, the continuation of the evil of this world will come to an end. There is a destruction. It seems like evil has no end. The more you read, the more you see, it seems like this world is going too far, way too far. But it will come to an end. It will one day be annihilated at the white throne judgment. It will all be cast into the lake of fire. But let me rather praise God continually. Psalms 34. I think you've heard these words before. It says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. 
My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. You ever heard those words before? Sure, we sing those words. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from what? From all my fears. Hallelujah. Because the devil's just a bluff. The only thing we need deliverance from, he's already delivered us from the devil. We need deliverance from our fears. Amen. He says, Psalms 35, let them shout for joy and be glad that favor my righteous cause. Yea, let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified, which hath pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. Psalms 40 says, let all that seek thee rejoice and be glad in thee. Let such as love thy salvation say continually, the Lord be magnified. Let me say that again. Let such as love thy salvation. Anybody like that here? Let such as love thy salvation say continually, the Lord be magnified. The Lord be magnified. Hallelujah. Psalm 70. Let all those that seek thee rejoice and be glad in thee. And let such as love thy salvation again say continually, the Lord be magnified. Hallelujah. Brother Brown says, no matter how much it looks like, it's going to be that way. It's going to be the way God intends it to be. No matter what it looks like, it's going to be the way God intends it to be. That's exactly the way it's going to be. He says it can't be nothing else. For him, being infinite, knowed the end from the beginning. And he makes everything come to his praises. He makes the Catholic Church come to his praises by destroying it. Cage full of every unclean and hateful birth. Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen. But God has determined it'll come out to his praises. He will be glorified. Every system will fall. Every man-made idea will fall. Every false government law and rule will fall. It will be destroyed one day. It will all come to his praises. Every evil thing that was ever done to destroy millions of innocent lives upon this earth. Doesn't matter whether it's disease, whether it's war, whether it's genocide, whether it's racism, whether it's politism, whatever it might be. One day it will all be destroyed to the glory of the name of Jesus Christ. At the name of Jesus Christ, every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall confess that he is Lord. Amen. There's no resisting him. He is infinite. It's exactly going to come out the way he said it's going to come out. Amen. Then your troubles are going to come out right too. 
Oh, I just was thinking about the, the sacrifice. Can I have maybe 10 more minutes or 15? I'll try and bring it to a close as swiftly as possible. I just feel like this is a good subject. Are you okay? Our God is infinite. In Hebrews 10, it talks about the Old Testament sacrifice. In verse 1, it says, The law having a shadow of good things to come, not the very image of things, can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. Perfect is infinite. Infinite is perfect. All right? But then it goes on. If we jump down to verse 11, it says, Every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never be taken away. In other words, they had to offer sacrifices day after day after day because those sacrifices were not sufficient in themselves to remove sin. They were just a covering. They were a a standing between the unbeliever and God to appease his wrath and, and they were, but they were never a true atonement. But then it says, but this man, Jesus Christ, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever. I'll say one sacrifice for sins eternally. As God saw the lamb slain in his mind before the foundation of the world. One sacrifice for infinity. One sacrifice. He says for sins forever sat down at the right hand of God. And hence, from henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. How can he offer one sacrifice and sit down? Almost sounds like Luke 4. He read the scriptures, greatest anointing on him, and he sat down. And precious words proceeded from his mouth. This great sacrifice, he ascended to the right hand of God, and he sat down. Why? The price had been paid. And the sacrifice that was made was infinite. If he is infinite, his blood is infinite. The sacrifice that was made was sufficient for all sin. Matter of fact, when it atoned for every sin, it was still worth more than that. It was worth more than every sin. It was of more value than any sin. It was greater than all of our sins. He says, for what? By one offering he has perfected forever them that are sanctified. Hallelujah. One offering he has perfected you. One offering has an infinite value. One offering pays for all things. He could ascend up on high and sit down. It is finished. The price has been paid. The value has been overcome. The atonement has been applied. The propitiation has come into place. Every son and daughter of God that accepts what Jesus Christ has done for them is perfect in the sight of God. Justified. As though they never sinned in the first place. 
standing perfect in the presence of God. Oh, hallelujah. Worthy is the Lamb. What an atonement. What a sacrifice. Jesus, what else are you going to do? I've already done it. Oh, but I need healing. Lord, would you heal me? I've already done it. Oh, Lord, please forgive me. I've already done it. Oh, Lord, please defeat the devil for me. I've already done it. There's nothing more for him to do. He has sat down. The sacrifice is infinite. It's everything you have need of. God has provided for you. Hallelujah. God has made a way. It's without limit. Oh, my son, my daughter, my this, my that, my husband, my wife. It's infinite. It covers it all. Hallelujah. Glory to his name. Because he's infinite and because the sacrifice is infinite. I'll just say blindness, cancer, even missing limbs are no different in that sacrifice than a toothache. Amen. There's no big, there's no small and infinite. There's no complex, there's no simple and infinite. In the infinite sacrifice, all is paid for. Hallelujah. Yes, even a stick in the mud like me feels like dancing once in a while. Hallelujah. Glory to his name. It's paid for. He sat down. He sat down. It's done. It's finished. It's over. Glory, glory, glory to his name. He says in Queen of Sheba, he says, usually when you take a person in a wheelchair, they think, well, I'm hopeless. No, you're not. It's no more harder for God to heal you than it would be to stop a toothache. Anybody been healed of a toothache? I have. It's no more different. Let's have a, let's have a testimony meeting. Praise the Lord, I was healed of a toothache. Oh, sit down. We want a bigger miracle than that. No, God healed me of a toothache. Just as good to be healed of a cancer. Infinite means there's no big and no small. Just as good to stand out of a wheelchair. There's no big and no small with God. Makes no difference. Just the same as blindness. Just the same as deafness. Just the same as anything. It's all the same with his infinite power. Because the God we serve is infinite. He says, you remember Mark eleven twenty four. Jesus passed by a tree. There was no figs on it. He says, no man eateth from thee and went on. And then he went on. And then he, he didn't see no difference in the tree. But way down beneath the ground at the roots, it started dying. And within 24 hours, when they passed by again, it had begun to wither. 
That's the same thing that takes place for the cancer. When God's Spirit curses that thing. Not when I curse it. When God's Spirit curses it. When you get in the right spirit and curse the thing. The spoken word is not anything you want to say. That's why even Brother Brown said it's sovereignly given of God. It's not what we want to say. It's what He makes us say. Amen. He says the same place for cancer. When God's Spirit curses that thing, you might go back to the doctor. It looks just the same. But way down deep, it's dying. Hallelujah. We just heard a testimony. I don't know if I want to... Shall we say it? Can I say it? Uh, over in a land um, just near Japan, south of Mongolia, north of Vietnam there. We don't want to say which country it is. Starts with a C, ends with an A. All right. There were some believers. And there was a sister that had an unbelieving husband. Brother Murphy was just sharing it with us this morning. I said, you got to share these things when you preach. And he says, I don't know how to do it. I said, well, here we are. <laughs> and there, there was a... there. She had a husband that went to the hospital for a brain problem. It had a, he had a stroke. And then when, while they were examining him for his brain, they found cancer all through his body. They, they give him up. They said, well, there's not much we can do for him. And I don't think he's worth saving. Even if we helped his brain, the rest of his body's going to be overcome soon anyway. And the sister said, talked to the brothers and said, you know, my husband's not saved. Would you pray for him? The brothers prayed for him. The man went back to the hospital two weeks, right? Two weeks later, they did another examination, not a trace of cancer in his body. Hallelujah. Our God is infinite. God knows what he's doing. It's all going to turn out right. Amen. He says, way down deep, if you've accepted Christ as your healer, maybe you can move a finger just a little teeny bit more. God's on the job. Believe what you say shall come to pass and you can have what you say. He says, if that isn't true, then God isn't true. Then the Bible isn't true. Sometimes we're looking for something different than the way that God wants to do it. But his word is true. I was thinking, I was listening to a family that was that was suffering under a certain situation and, and, and seemed like God didn't answer their prayer, but I could see that God was dealing with them. And I said to my wife, I says, sometimes we're praying for a miracle when God wants to give us character. So do we pray, God, give me what I want or God, give me what you want? We want miracles. We want the easy way out. Oh, that got quiet. We want God delivering me right now. Matter of fact, when I go to camp, I want to go to the altar. And when I leave that altar, I don't want another devil to ever bother me. What are you laughing about? That's exactly the way some people think. They think, well, I'm going to come to Jesus Christ and I'm going to be set free and every chain's going to be broken. And that's it. I'm never going to have a problem the rest of my life. I don't know what kind of teaching you've been listening to, but that's not the gospel. The gospel is you've been called into a battle. You've been called into the kingdom of light. And the kingdom of darkness hates the kingdom of light. But those that are walking in light always overcome darkness. Amen. If we walk in the light as he's in the light. 
We have fellowship one with another and the blood. Doesn't save us, cleanses us from all sin. Keeps us under a cleansing atonement every day. So even when we make mistakes, there's a blood atonement for you that you can go back to God and say, Lord, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to do that. Forgive me, put it under the blood. Amen, amen. I don't know if this is a good after camp meeting, but it's all I got. You know, it's his infinite quality. He knew where the lack would be. He knew where the darkness would be that would need light. He didn't come to drive back every darkness because the darkness is overcome, going to overcome some. But he come back to drive back darkness to those that are part of the new Jerusalem because he is the light in the new Jerusalem. There's no, no need of the sun anymore when we get over there. There'll be no more morning, no more evening, no more night, no more afternoons. It's all going to be the glorious light of the Lamb of God. Amen. Just forever and ever. Just, I'll say, infinite light. You know, but God knows what He's doing. Alright, I gotta bring this to a close. Brother Brown talking about the first coming. Now we're living in the second coming. So he's really talking about this coming while he's referring to the first coming. He says, in why it had to be shepherds, he says, there was a promised word. Amen. There's a promised word for this day, isn't there? Many. In the days of the voice of the seventh angel. Behold, I send you Elijah the prophet. You know, as it was in the revealing, in the days of Noah, in the days of Sodom, all of these things, I'll have a pride without spot, without blemish, virtuous bride. All of these scriptures. He says there was a promised word. Notice, it could do that again. It bypassed all the nobles of the land. It bypassed all the nobles and was revealed to the nobodies. All the nobles was decorated with great doctors, divinity, psychology, highly educations, and great cathedrals and things. And it was all bypassed and revealed to the nobodies. He's referring to the shepherds. He says, the wisdom, the infinite wisdom of Almighty God. Are you ready now? I'm holding the ball. All right. The infinite wisdom of Almighty God did it to make known to them the greatest message that ever was. The Messiah is on the earth. What a wisdom could only come from God who knows wisdom. All the wisdom and all of the schooling and everything was now laid to waste and bypassed by the great wisdom of God. I keep repeating that because I want it to go down deep. All laid to waste. It was of no good. All the learning of God was put to waste by a message to humble shepherds. All their learning, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the priests, all the wise men, everybody, meant nothing. God says, I'm sending a message. And I'm sending it to these men out in the field that aren't even educated. That are just watching their shepherds, watching their sheep, their shepherds. And an angel said, unto you this day is born in the city of David, Christ the King. Hallelujah. I say unto you this day, who are you? God's not looking at your education. Some of you might have it. Doesn't mean that much to an infinite God. 
measure your education in infinity. It doesn't even measure. That's not important. If you have it because you, you need it for your job and whatever more, good for you. Use it wisely. But yet in the midst of all of it, that's not what the message is about. The message come in this hour to the simple, to the meek, to the lowly in spirit, to the ones that will receive it, that God knew before the foundation of the world would be here in this hour. And he wrote their names back there because he's sending a message that in itself has infinite qualities because it's Christ revealing himself. What kind of a message in this hour? The Messiah is on the earth. Now I want to say this correctly because I don't want you to misunderstand me. He's not saying the person of Jesus Christ in that temporal body. He's saying the full manifestation of the word has now come. And he is the word. That's what lays in the message. The angels were saying back then, here, I give you a babe. It's Christ the Messiah. But now God is saying, I give you a message. I give you a message, bride. It's Christ. It's not a man's thinking. It doesn't come out of some theological school. Didn't come out of the mind of a man. It come vindicated through the office of a prophet. That might come down to this age that we might know God has vindicated this vessel. But it wasn't that man's message. It was God's message. Till a man would stand and even say, against my better understanding. So some things he's told me to say, it's even against my better understanding. But it comes out true anyway, exactly according to the word of God. What is that? That's an infinite God. Knows exactly how to bring it, when to bring it, how to bring it, exactly. That's the anointing, exactly knowing what and how. He says, in why little Bethlehem, he says, when, then when we in our little infinite minds begin to think over, why would God choose a little place like that, talking about Bethlehem, instead of the capital? Why would God choose a little place like me in his infinite wisdom? I can't understand infinite. But I believe infinite. Hallelujah. I can't understand why this mighty God, this God, who is so big, he can make himself so small and be born in a manger, come down into a human vessel, To a prophet says, that was Jehovah laying in the manger there. This mighty God, who's infinite. Lord, I can't describe it. That's what makes him infinite. Is not just the big, it's the small. That's what makes infinite. There's no size with God. Jesus could stand at the treasury, at the temple... Watching everybody give their tithes and offerings. So you see that woman there? She's given more than anybody. This is an infinite God talking. This is how infinity speaks. She's given more than anybody. I mean, the the rich guys came in with their bags. Plunk. Plunk. You know, bags of gold coins and... Thousands of 
whatever currency was, shekels, denarii, whatever it was in those days, and drop them down into the treasury and fill up the treasury. Enough money to build edifices, enough money to build, uh, you know, to upkeep the temple, to coat the walls with gold again, and whatever more. And rich men that, oh, I'm so blessed of God, and I'm, I'm going to give half of what I got, and I'm going to give, you know, 80% of what I got. I'm going to, I'm going to give God 90 and keep 10, and oh my, just millions and millions of dollars maybe today would be worth billions of dollars we don't know and along comes this little woman and the infinite God looks at that offering and the value in the face of an infinite God is worth more than anybody else gave two mites the smallest portion of their currency. It would be like pennies. Two pennies. And she put it into the treasury. And the almighty God said in infinity that's more value. Because she gave everything. Excuse me. I'm going to make a statement here and I'm sorry if it offends anybody. We have a young brother here amongst us that is extremely talented. I'm sorry, Brother Michael, but I'm referring to you. I'm not even going to look at you. He's extremely gifted, isn't he? In so many different ways. I actually feel sorry for him. Because I'm like, how is he going to give an account of all that talent before God? I pray for him. I hope you do. I'm glad to have him. I hope you are. He does a lot for this church. But I want you to see something this morning. Brother Branham, in the, I can't remember how old he was, but he, he was laying in bed. He says, if I'm ever going to do something for God, I better start doing it. He was in his 50s anyway. And he was, he says, I've won a million souls to Christ, but with this gift that God has given me, I should have two million. You understand what he's saying now? Have I done everything with what God has given me that is possible for me to do? I don't mean to put too big a weight on you, Brother Michael. But I'm just using you as an example. God's given each one of you gifts. God's given each one of you a portion. He measures out talents. To one, He gives one. To one, He gives two. To one, He gives five. Brother Brodham says, in God's economy, is there silver dollars, 50 cent pieces, quarters, nickels, dimes, pennies? He says, Lot was a penny, Abraham was a silver dollar. There's differences. But God puts that in there for a reason. And we give account to that. But I want you to know this morning, in infinity, the most talented amongst us and the least talented amongst us are no different in the sight of God. We can look at the singers. God bless you for the singers. 
We appreciate them. We've enjoyed them over the years. Great talents. God gave them those talents. And we are benefited by them. And I believe they've given them to the Lord. I believe God has used them. But I want to say this morning, if I was just a widow with two mites, I would want to come to God this morning and say, Lord, this is all I got, but it's yours. Can somebody say amen? Amen. I might feel like a nobody, but with God, an infinite God, there's no such thing as nobodies. And there's no such thing as great people. I, I want you to understand God's measurement. But when you take what you have, whatever it is, and say, Lord, just use me in whatever way you want to use me. I give myself unreservedly to you. God will take that and acknowledge that and use that. It will always turn out well. Brother Branham says in the Philadelphian church age, as he talks about the end of the road, he says, all of God's wonderful promises fulfilled. He's talking about He quotes Revelation 21, new heavens and the new earth. There'll be no more sorrow, no more suffering, no more death, no more. He says, all of God's wonderful promises fulfilled, it will be all over. The change will have been completed. Natural types of spiritual folks. What is the world talking about right now? The great reset. We're in a great reset. It's an economic term that's being bandied about the world. That's why it's going through the economic upheaval that's going through right now. It's actually designed to do so. But man in the natural is trying to reset this world and its economy. But there's, we're in the middle of a great reset in that this kingdom is becoming the kingdom of our God. That's the great reset that's actually happening. And Brother Branham says it'll be, it will be all over. The change will have been completed. The Lamb and His bride forever settled in all the perfections of God. Describe it. Who is able to do that? No one. Think about it. Dream about it. Read what the Word says about it. Yes, we can do all of that. Yet, we can only know an infinitesimal part of it until it becomes a reality in the first resurrection. We've talked about infinite this morning. We've talked about great and small. We've talked about it means nothing to God. What I want you to know this morning is God sees you individually. God wants fellowship with you individually. If there's anything that I left out this morning, it's that part. Because only an infinite God can come to each one of us individually, Brother Ray. Think about that. Only an infinite God 
can come to each one of us individually. He can meet with Brother Tom in his room while he's praying with God, while he meets with Brother Michael in his little prayer closet, while he meets with Brother Murphy in his prayer closet, while he meets with me in my prayer closet, and he meets with you in your prayer closet. Only an infinite God can commune individually and is concerned about every one of us individually. He doesn't come to us and say, hey, I got a few seconds. Go ahead. I got a few seconds now, if you want. No, he's got eternity. This infinite God that can break himself apart and put a portion of his life into every one of us comes to you individually. And I especially want the young people to hear this. He comes to your thoughts. Don't think God's way out there somewhere. God comes to you individually. You lift up your heart to God. And you just say, God, I want to commune with you individually. He's interested. Hallelujah. He's interested in you. He wants to know your thoughts. He wants to be contacted by your feelings. He wants to commune with, he wants to enter into a discussion with you. That's why Brother Branham says, who was Abraham? Just a normal man. I'm sorry for belaboring this, but I'm just, I'm just bringing this to a close here. Abraham was just an everyday man. He just, he just was a normal person. But God's interested in you. Brother Bradham says, last quote, It isn't what you eat, what you drink, how you dress, this, that, or the other. You are saved by grace through faith. God, by His sovereign grace, as the musicians come, foreordained, spoke your life into existence before the world was ever formed. And by his infinite mind, knowed what you'd be in the final end. So I've mentioned a few names. I'm I'm sorry if I zeroed in on you, Brother Michael. I'm sorry if that offended you. I'm sorry. But you know what Jesus said about it? When Peter asked about John, he says, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. What will be his end? What will be his end? What will Brother Tim's end be? What, what will this one do? What will that one do? What is that to you? Follow thou me. His infinite mind know what you'd be in the final end. Then grace constrained him. Love constrained him to project sovereign grace to the earth to make a provision to save you. Hallelujah. Let's stand together. He says, God by his sovereign grace, the same quote, I'll read it again. God by his sovereign grace foreordained, spoke your life into existence before the world ever was formed, and by his infinite mind, knew what you would be in the final end. He knew you would be here. That's why he sent this message. He knew you'd be a part of the message. He says, love constrained him to project sovereign grace to the earth to make a provision to save you. Hallelujah. 
You might not be a brother Tim. You might not be a brother Michael. You might not be a brother so-and-so or a sister so-and-so. You might feel like you're the least in Cloverdale Bible way. But you know what? To an infinite God, there is no least in Cloverdale Bible way. Hallelujah. There is no little ones in Cloverdale Bible way. That's my point. There is no ones that can say, oh, well, you know, I just... I, I, I just, I just go to church and I just, I just sit in the back and, you know, I just hear what's being preached and I just enjoy the music and, you know, I just go on living my life. No, that's not God. That's you. That's your thinking. God's thinking is your mind. God's thinking is, I want to hear from you. God's thinking is, I want to commune with you. The reason I made an atonement for you was so I can fellowship with you. We've come down to the final age that God wants fellowship with his elect. We're here now. I, I better stop. But you know, so many times we talk about, we have altar calls and altar calls are good to pray with and everything. That's There's nothing wrong with altar calls in their context. But you know why altar calls are good? Because we don't actually get alone with God. That's what the problem is. I don't mean to end on a downer. Could you play that song I asked you to play? But I want you to know you're on his mind. Not just Sunday morning. You're on his mind every day. You're on his mind Monday morning. You're on his mind Tuesday because he's infinite. He doesn't know any days of the week. You're just on his mind. You were in his mind before the foundation of the world. You're in his mind now. He's concerned about you. He's concerned about your need. Let's bow our heads together. He's concerned with your problem. He's concerned for you because you're His. No matter how small you think you are, He's concerned about you. No matter how small you think your problem is, He has the answer. And no matter how complicated or how big you think it is, it's nothing to God. I wonder if there's somebody here while our heads are bowed that would just want to say, Lord, I'm thinking about you in a maybe a better way than I used to. I maybe thought about you a long ways off, but now you feel very close and very concerned. And I just want to commit myself to you. Is there anybody here that wants to say, Lord, I want to give you my life. I want to give you everything that I am, Lord. Lord, if I got just one talent or a thousand talents, Lord, I want to give it to you this morning. Heavenly Father, you see every hand that's raised, Lord, this morning. Oh, God. You know how inadequate that we feel before you, oh, God. But, Lord, we put that aside now this morning to say we believe you are infinite. We believe, Lord, that you know every situation. Lord, you know what's beneath every hand that's raised. Lord, you know every heart.
You are the Word. And Father, this morning as we stand in Your presence, I pray, Lord, that Your mighty power would come to every situation, Lord. I pray, O God, that You would move in power and in demonstration. Lord, if there's somebody this morning that feels like they've got a complicated problem, they got something, Lord, that's immovable, Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ. If it's a sickness, Lord, may you curse that sickness this morning, Lord. May you just drive it out of the body. And Lord, may the body line up with their confession. Jesus Christ is my healer. Lord, may you just give them abundantly, pouring in, oh God, faith that would drive the kingdom of darkness out of every body, out of every tabernacle, out of every life, out of every home, out of every situation. You are the infinite one. And Lord, we commit our ways to you this morning. We commit ourselves to you. I want to say, Lord, forgive me for my dilatoriness. Forgive me, Lord, my laziness, even as a minister, oh God. Help me to do more, Lord. Anoint me, Lord, to do more, I pray. I just need you more than ever before. And Lord, we want to take what little we have in our lives and give it unreservedly to you this morning. Take us, Lord, and use us. Glorify your name and take the preeminence this morning, oh Father. We asking as humbly and as reverently as we know how. We just pray that you'll just have the preeminence as we begin to close this service. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Oh, he
thoughts of us haven't changed from 2,000 years ago to today. It's one thing Brother Branham says about infinite. He never changes his mind. He went to Calvary with us on his mind and we're still there right now. We're in his mind. We're in his thoughts. Don't worry. He knows how it's going to work out. You're here this morning because of him. You're not here because of Cloverdale Bible Way. You're not here because of our dear brother, Ed Biscoll. You're not here to see an array of talent. And this is a very talented church. We are blessed people. We are a blessed people. But in the midst of all of that, I'm here because he thought of me. While he hung there on the cross. He said, I'm doing this for Tim Dodd. I'm doing this for Wes Nygaard. Can you put your name there? I'm doing this for Dorothy Florent. I'm doing this for you. He didn't, you didn't know it then. But you, he was thinking about you. He's thinking about that there needed to be a blood. Because he knew at that moment, he's infinite every mistake we, I'd ever make. Hallelujah! He knew every mistake I'd ever make. He knew every problem I'd ever have. And as that blood dropped to the earth, he said, this is for that problem. Is it sufficient? I'm asking you, is it sufficient? He knew every sickness the devil would put on you. Is it sufficient? Come on, claim it this morning. It's mine. I was on his mind. Claim it for yourself. I was on his mind. And because I was on his mind, what can I do in this hour but simply praise him? Forget my fears. Forget your fears. He's infinite. And I'm on that infinite mind. Hallelujah. We can't can't close without singing Psalms 34. You know. Magnify the Lord. We got to magnify the Lord.
You going to help me this morning? I'm not a very good singer. I sought the Lord and he answered me. Aren't you glad? I'll tell you what, I had an experience with God last week. I saw him. And he answered me. That's all I can say. He, it is his infinite grace, answered my prayers. Who am I? I just say he's God. I sought the Lord And He answered me And delivered me From
Hallelujah. 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 Glory to your name. Oh, that we had a thousand tongues to praise you, oh God. How mighty thou art. How wonderful. And how personal you are, Lord. Oh, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Jesus. Jesus. Do you love him? So infinite but so personal. He loves you individually. Dismiss us in order of prayer. In the solemnness of this moment, it's hard to dismiss. But you can stay here all day if you want to. It doesn't matter. Why don't you just love the Lord and let Him love you. There's no greater life. Brother Raymond. Let's bow our heads. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Heavenly Father, we want to appreciate you once again this morning for your marvelous ways that are past finding out. How on a morning like this, oh God, you would bring a word that is so personal. How you would come down to the very places where each and every one of us sat and deal with our hearts, oh God. Oh, you're so marvelous. Mighty are your ways. Lord, we have heard from our theophanies this morning. Thank you, Lord, for taking the men of God and bringing the word of God right to address our situations. Lord, this was God this morning dealing in the affairs of men convicting our hearts to believe that indeed you are the same yesterday, today this very moment and forevermore 
Lord I am convinced and concerned in my heart that indeed the mighty God has been unveiled before us this morning through the ministration of the word so bind my heart and mind that oh God every need that was in your divine presence as you walked along the way you have delivered each and every one of our needs for your word said you will provide for all our needs not according to what we have but according to your riches and glory i'm humbled by your presence this morning how we'd come and heal the broken hearts not just to preach but to minister to the needs of your people you're so mindful scripture said who is man that thou art mindful of him we're humbled in your presence this morning but yet we are so thankful and we come once again oh god just to agree lord with what your word has said today we want to agree with what the spirit has said to this body and those that will even go on to listen to this sermon in days that i had diseases have been healed needs have been met provision has been made oh god in this very season of our lives we pray for the men servant who has set so set himself aside for the almighty god to come and use his vessel this morning he's just a man but when almighty god comes through behind his badger skin our hearts have been discerned this morning we feel like that woman at the well that day lord you came and you delivered her because she was a manifested attribute of god who had been put in time and lord this morning your word is done exactly that to come and discern the very thoughts and intents of our heart and by your word oh god we agree with you we accept oh god that indeed your word is alive sharper than a two-edged sword oh come and go with us now even as we depart this place may we not depart from your presence may your presence come with us cover the minister bless our ministry pray for our pastor the officers all the gifts that are in the body lord out of the abundance of this sermon we pray that may every gift rise up to its full potential because indeed we are dealing with an infinite god who's mindful from the very youngest to the oldest amongst us thank you this morning for speaking to us in such a special way once again oh god guide each and every one of us from this place for the days and weeks that i had we pray oh god that may you protect each and every one of us keep each and every one of us oh god at the center of your will for our lives protect us from all danger seen and unseen and we shall be careful in all to give you praise glory and honor in your precious name we pray amen
Do you love him this morning? I started out with the right quote. It's impossible to define infinite. But I pray that you drew a little bit closer to the infinite God this morning. God bless you. Why don't you shake one another's hands as you go. Service is dismissed in Jesus' name.